Hello, everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host on this Moving Fast podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. His name is Martin Prokesh. Martin is the Vice President of Engineering at Profic, uh, a premier software development and QA services company located in the EU and in the US. Profic specializes in developing and testing technologies such as platforms and frameworks, server-side applications, and developer tools. Martin, welcome, and thank you very much for joining me today on the Moving Fast Tech Podcast and just sharing your thoughts. Hi, Anke. It's great to be here, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. You know, our topic today is DevOps. Um, you know, we know DevOps has been around now for, what, about 10 years, and um, what we really want to talk about is what's working and some of the latest trends and tools. So this Moving Fast Tech podcast, as you know, is free-flowing format. I'm just going to ask you some questions, but it's really up to you where you want to take this discussion. So let's get started. My first question is, just tell us a little bit about your experience with DevOps for startups and then also for larger companies, just so we can get some context for this discussion. All right, so uh, I will start with sharing some ground about myself. Uh, I'm in the industry for almost 10 years and I joined Profic uh, after graduating from the Technical University. And most, most of the time I have been working on, for smaller companies, uh, startups or scale-ups, usually just a few dozen people, somewhere between five to 30 engineers. And I started as a QA engineer, and from basically from day one, I was responsible for automation. Either we were building test automation frameworks or, or automating test infrastructure. Uh, so over the time, I, I moved just to several projects and roles. And for uh, the last few years, uh, except of being VP of engineering, I'm also responsible for helping our customers uh, with their infrastructure and automation of like the wall uh, software development lifecycle. We, we have building serverless applications in AWS or, or microservices apps in, in managed Kubernetes clusters in Google Cloud with full CI CD pipelines. Um, well, I'm still looking for a project where I could try the, the third big tech uh, public cloud, Microsoft Azure. I didn't try that yet. Oh. And I have also some experiences from one of our corporate customers where I was leading our QA team. I didn't really do any DevOps work for them, but it was nice and pleasant experience where I could see how it works from the perspective of the consumer, consumer of the DevOps services. It was very professional. They, they treated their internally facing tooling the same way as, as some end user uh, software. So they, they really kept the, the usability and the user friendliness in mind. Uh, and the, the best thing I, I would say was that they were providing great internal documentation. I, I believe that it's, it's very important because it, it helps everyone to, to understand what's going on, even in the complex uh, environments. Yeah, that's, that's really briefly what to yeah, no, when context I, around me. Yeah. Thank you. When, when I read about 
DevOps and, you know, there's definitely a lot of different opinions out there. So as far as this conversation, let's quickly define what we mean by modern DevOps also, just because I think that there may be, you know, some people are like, well, what's the difference with agile? What's the, diff you know, so when, from your perspective, what are, what are you considering DevOps? Yeah. Like, yeah, I believe that you, you already mentioned that in the beginning that like, despite DevOps being with us for about 10 years, it's still rapidly evolving. Uh -huh. um, so from my point of view, I, I would really like to start with like telling what DevOps is because uh, I frequently see it like some common misunderstanding. Well, it's uh -huh. not that frequent anymore, but but it, it's still still like some misconception. Uh, and that's like the expectation of the DevOps. It's not really about letting developers to be responsible for the infrastructure and, and the operations part. But I think that the goal is to enable developers to be self-sufficient and to be able to do whatever they want to do and to have freedom to do it on, on their own terms. So they don't need to rely on some other team. Like maybe I can give you a quick example about mm -hmm. it. So you, you don't want to have developers to spin up their own Kubernetes cluster using Terraform or because it, it, it will be still the same painful experience for them as it used to be uh, because simply everybody cannot know everything. Uh, mm -hmm. So even it, it might be, it might seem to be that things are getting more focused on, on business logic development with, uh, with the, like having some serverless lambdas uh, where you just write the code and deploy it to production. I believe, and, and the truth is that the total complexity is increasing. So, so DevOps is rather about providing pipelines and services to developers so, so they can get the operations things part the, uh, done with ease. Like speaking about modern DevOps tooling, you, you will frequently run into terms like containers, Kubernetes, cloud, continuous delivery deployment, service meshes, and, and also the security, which is one of the important parts of, of DevOps uh, these days. So would to, you say it's the I framework really the from it's sort of like the framework for then developing from? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. And I believe that really the biggest difference when I, I look, look back to the past is uh, the availability of some advanced tooling that could be used for shifting some of the responsibilities from the operations team uh, to the other engineering teams uh, to create some, like it's, it's called like the shared responsibility model uh, because yeah, DevOps is really about the collaboration, right? So, mm -hmm. You know, that was actually what I was going to ask you next was what were some of those what are those big changes that you've seen over the past? I mean, you mentioned that the, the frameworks are there now for you to kind of build upon and take and do something with versus having to actually create your own frameworks all the time. So that's a huge step, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it, it really is the, the increased adoption, which obviously results into better have availability of, of great tools that can uh -huh. be then reused in, in various projects. 
like you know, there, there are those big tech companies like Google, Uber, that are producing some open source tools and open standards uh, that could be used by anyone, uh-huh. which is a great benefit for the whole uh, industry. Thanks to I mean, the thanks to that, the DevOps tooling is reaching some I'd say a reasonable level of, of maturity. So there are tools like Kubernetes, service meshes, uh, or Helm charts, like all of them are already have a big group of supporters uh, as well as a great adoption. Yeah, I would say that DevOps has changed, has changed its initial focus, uh, which used to be the last mile, like delivering the, the code to the production deployment. And it changed to, to like more fo- more complex discipline of like providing services to the developer teams, like to automate every single part of their application lifecycle on, on their own. And it's no longer just about developers uh, making use of the DevOps. So it's also like other engineering teams, as QA or release engineering that could benefit from, from having that uh, in their organization. Uh-huh. Uh, my again, like my personal experience from a small project is that the availability of, of great tools make it easier even for the smaller engineering teams to to build up uh, full CI/CD pipelines uh, to automatically test, build, pack, and ship their applications. Like we we are personally using uh, GitHub Actions or, or and GitLab CI/CD, which are I'd say like really great go-to tools for automating pipelines for small engineering teams. Uh, so I'd say that it's no longer a privilege of, of the bigger teams to uh, have some DevOps pipelines, but almost anyone can have and adopt some DevOps principles and even already from the day one uh, of, the, of a startup. See, I love that. So it's been somewhat of an equalizer and it allows, like you said, even startups and small teams to have a, a really solid approach and, and something that they can actually build upon versus, you know, somewhat, you know, oftentimes startups will start and it, they'll make things go fast, but there's the quality isn't there or it really isn't built on a solid foundation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's exciting. I think that that's you see that amongst a number of areas, right? Whether it's testing, whether it's um, just really the original build, the original development, everything about it is is helping young is helping young small teams. It certainly helps the large teams, but this also helps the the smaller teams. Yeah, absolutely, and. Yeah, it does basically influence like every area area of, of the software development lifecycle. Like mm-hmm. all of these disciplines can can highly benefit from having some advanced tooling in place, like provided by by DevOps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I already mentioned that, that my background is heavily influenced uh, by QA. So uh, let's take it as another example. So imagine that you have a new feature that needs to be tested before merging it into the main code base, and the environment is pretty complex. It's a web application. Uh, there are some several microservices and, and databases on the back end. And the, if the team has the right pipelines in place, it's just a matter of opening a pull request and maybe adding a label to it. And that's it. You don't need to go and ask anyone to create it for you. 
everything else will be done for you just automatically. Uh, the same goals, for example, for the release engineering teams and other disciplines. Yeah. I don't know, like, what, what are the benefits? Uh, the team is definitely becoming more productive. It increases the team velocity, which has impact on, on other metrics. Like one thing that I really like personally is, is being able to measure how the team is performing. Mm. Uh, you know, there are like those well-known DORA metrics, uh, like deployment frequency, lead time for changes, and time, time to restore and other. It's, and it's pretty challenging to collect these metrics automatically. But luckily, uh, and this again uh, is that the adoption is growing. So there are great tools that, that can help with, with collecting these metrics. Some of them like develop four keys, for example, from Google and there, but there is other tooling that could be used and, and everyone can benefit from having them. And again, it's not that difficult to start even with a really lean team, right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that we have a team like three, three, three to five people, and we already have pipelines fully automated to deploy to the production. And mm -hmm. it's working very well with low maintenance. It's sort of a really exciting time in, in engineering because you have all of these really sophisticated tools that you have access to. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is like, you had met, you've mentioned some throughout our conversation, but when you look at, you know, what are those latest tools or even concepts like containerization that influence DevOps, you, you know, again, you've mentioned a few, but it'd be really fun looking at kind of that life cycle to say, all right, so here's what we're seeing at this stage. Here's what we're seeing here. And then at the end, here's what we're using here. What are, what are you using? What do you see others using? Yeah. So, Obviously, and you mentioned like the number one is the containerization, uh, which allows you basically to wrap up almost any code or, or logic and move it between platforms, computers, and systems without headache, which is important, of course. Mm -hmm. It already has a great adoption as well as Kubernetes, which is tool for the container orchestration. So these two are de facto industry standards, I would say, already. So I, I won't describe the benefits it, it brings, but I would rather focus on my personal favorites uh, in this area, which doesn't have that big adoption so far. The concepts that I like and I have implemented recently are, are GitOps and SRE, which when GitOps, it, it has quite a good traction recently and it gives you tools and, and framework to take the DevOps practices like collaboration, CI, CD, and the version control and apply them to infrastructure automation and application deployment. So for example, the tool I'm using on our project is called Argo CD. And what it does, it just takes care of synchronizing the desired application uh, state you define in your GitHub repository with the real state of the application in the Kubernetes cluster. It's, it's easy to use for the dev team and you have a single source of truth for your deployment to basically any environment. So you can version control it, uh, you can see the diffs 
when you are moving uh, your application between environments from development to staging and from staging to production. It, it gives you a great visibility and, and control. The other one that I mentioned was SRE, which is uh, Site Reliability Engineering. And this concept comes from Google. It's a set of principles and, and best practices. We focus on high reliability of the software in production. It, I'd like just to recommend they, they published a SRE handbook. Uh, it's available online. And the key aspects of SRE are automation and observability that will help your organization with better reliability of your applications in the end. Mm. And yeah, just about tooling in general, I believe that the problem is that there is overwhelming amount of tools available out there. It might be pretty difficult for everyone to choose the right tools to use. And I, I would prefer not to give you any advices on that. So, but, but luckily, uh, there is the CNCF, which is uh, a hub of cloud-native computing. And it maintains their own list of, of tools that are matured and, and standardized. So, and it helped me uh, in the beginnings. And whenever basically we are thinking about choosing the right tool for the, for the given job, I would just suggest you to go there to the CNC web pages. They have nice landscape of tools and, and you can check uh, their list, uh, what is available. And you can be sure that it's usually the right pick. Oh, I love that. So I'm going to make sure that when we share this information, we'll also add a link to the resources. You know, that was one of the things too, as we close up our conversation, how do people learn more? Where does someone start? How to navigate this challenge? So you gave one good resource. Are there some, are there any blogs or anything that you enjoy reading as well? Or and do people have some pretty strong opinions that you find are really helpful other than, um, was it the CNC web pages? Yeah, I would definitely recommend the CNCF. I like to, 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 to search for a great tools and and there is like a big number of, of, of nice podcasts that are introducing different tools. And there is a lot of happening in this area. So there is every day there is something new. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So it sounds like a great place to start for everyone. Martin, I thought this was really interesting. I'm, I know that developers are excited to figure out, even companies that aren't really um, using a lot of tools yet, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to start doing that really quickly here in the future. So thank you for joining the podcast today. Really, really great insights. And I appreciate your perspective. So thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you very much, Anke. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here. So thanks for inviting me. Of course. So I'm sure our listeners will find this conversation very interesting. And as always, of course, it's a pleasure to speak with you. But if you want to learn more about Profic, please go to the profic.com website. There you're going to find technical blog articles, other podcasts that you'll find very interesting, videos, and just information about the company as well. So thank you again for joining us today. And then don't forget to subscribe to this podcast channel. And then join us next time for another great Moving Fast podcast so you can continue to hear from industry leaders like Martin 
about tech leadership challenges, the latest technology they're considering, preparing their company for the future, and just other interesting tech topics. Thanks again.